Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their great hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 164. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming back for another episode. If it's your first one, I just want to say welcome. This is going to be a good one today. I'm really looking forward to getting to the interview, but for that, before that, uh, I've got 30 days, 30 days till I pack up and head out to Montana with my buddy Matt Dove to chase elk. And man, I am getting ready for it. <laughs> Yesterday, I kind of caught that bug and just got a lot of stuff done. Got my bow finally sighted in. I know, I know, 30 days. I should have already had it. I had 20, 30, 40 good, and 50 was good. But my last two, three pins, I, I didn't quite have them dialed as well as what I wanted to. So I went out to the range and uh, 60, 70 is great, um, and actually, I mean, shooting really well. Don't plan to shoot that far, really want to keep it 50 and under if I can, um, but just want to be prepared, you know, uh, and get myself that practice so that 50 is a lot easier. So I did that, uh, tested it this morning with the broadhead. I'm using some Magnus uh, Black Hornet serrated uh, razor broadheads, and um, never used those before. I've always been kind of an expandable G5 dead meat guy, uh, but really want the ability to like sharpen my own broadheads. And so decided to invest a little bit more, get something that's pretty solid. I like the Magnus brand. So that's what I'm rolling with out west. And uh, just looking forward to all of that. I uh, went to an exercise program with my wife last night. I go to this thing. Uh, there's a little gym in my town called Fitness with Phyllis. And it's just a little tiny thing. But let me tell you, Phyllis will kill you. Um, <laughs> Phyllis does a phenomenal job during her workouts. She's very much in shape. And so anytime I go, I used to be like, ah, I don't want to go with my wife to her little workout. But I tell you, Phyllis pushes me harder than what I can push myself. We did a leg workout last night and then today got up and uh, threw on a 60-pound pack and went up and down this super steep hill um, about three times and got some good good cardio in, good legs, good back. So just kind of dialing all that in, scouting a lot. Um, you know, our day one plan I talked with Matt yesterday is revolving around this burn that we know about. And so if you don't know anything about elk or out west, but if there's ever been a burn, usually the next year, two years, it really greens up where that was a, where that burn happened. And uh, it's good food. So uh, we're, we're planning, we're planning, getting excited. Like I said, trying to control that a little bit and just getting it all, all ready to roll. So as soon as I come back from my trip... Uh, whitetail season will be upon us <laughs> and I'm definitely going to go slow. Um, don't even know. I told my wife was trying to make some plans for opening day and I said, go for it. You know, I'm going elk hunting this year, going to be gone for potentially 10 days tops. And I just don't want to, I don't want to push that envelope. You know, the deer will be there. Um, I know where they typically go. Um, and I'm just going to try my best to not go nuts this year. Keep my hunts, uh, pick the right ones, pick the right wind and I'll probably run trail cameras whenever I get back and start trying to zero in on where they where they've ended up and um, you know uh, just enjoy that. So uh, this morning was pretty cool. I, I climbed to the top of that that mountain and after the third time, I just sat down and just looked out over the valley and just had this moment where I just kind of soaked it in, um, just soaked in the farm, soaked in just the wind, the breeze. Um, my buddy Daniel and I, Ozzy Daniel, that's been on here before. We were talking this morning on the phone before I went over just about like how life goes and how fast moments go by. And you don't even realize that you're in the moment until after it's over. And then it becomes a memory. (laughs) 
you have these moments with your kids, uh, these things that you do, like this training, this, like I look back on my other trips and you're in there and you try and live in the moment. Um, But while you're in the moment, you're just fixated on doing what you're doing. And so usually it's actually, you're kind of looking back and reflecting uh, on this memory that you just made thinking, man, what a great great time. Uh, what a great experience. I, I mean, I was dying going up that hill today for the third time, but I sat down and I was just like looking out and I, was, I just took a, a moment and like, thank God that I'm in shape enough to do that. There are people that just wish that they could climb that hill one time. And I, I've been able to do it more than that. Just blessed with my health. Um, so much to be thankful for with my home. And uh, so anyway, yeah, that was, that was a good thing. It's important for us to take those moments, try and soak them in when they come. And then even if it's after the fact, look back and just be grateful for the way God has blessed you in your life and brought you through those things. So um, today we're going to jump in with our guest. His name is Cody Pride. And uh, Cody is an Ohio guy. I was happy to find out. Um, and he, uh, he is going to tell some epic, I mean, I use that term a lot, but I will say definitely without a doubt, some epic whitetail stories, including the story of this buck that was indestructible, named Superman. That's all I'm going to say, but it is an, a fantastic story. He has several other stories kind of weaved in there, and uh, it's it's really good. So you might have to pause this one halfway through, but definitely come back, wrap it up. Uh, we go for a long time just talking about whitetails. If you are looking forward to whitetail season, this is just going to amp that up to the next level, <laughs> um, get you excited. So Guys, thank you so much. Uh, before we, we jump into this, just want to say, if you could leave a rating, review, hit that subscribe button, all those things, trying to build back up after I took that break, get some more people interested in this, share it with your buddies. Um, definitely, if you got any whitetail friends, make sure you pass this over to them if you enjoy it. And uh, if you'd like to come on the show, open invitation, send me an email at sheddinglightod at gmail.com. Sheddinglightod at gmail.com or send a private message through Instagram, Facebook, uh, on uh, Shedding Light Outdoors. would love to hear from you, have you on, hear your hunting stories. That's it with the intro. We're going to jump right in. Here is Cody Friday. All right, guys. Well, joining me, taking time out of his vacation down at the beach uh, is Cody Pride. Cody, how you doing, man? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. I'm pumped to have you. I can't believe you're, I mean, it must, uh, must be a little too sunburn or something. You just take a little break there from the, from the beach time, huh? Yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty blazing out there today. So we're just kind of hiding in the shade for now. Cool. Cool. It sounds like good vacation time to get away. Oh yeah. Good man. But you, uh, you are an Ohio boy like me, not too far away. So tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do and kind of give us a little bit of your background there. All right. Well, I'm, I just turned 25 in March this year. Um, Miss Kingham County born and raised. Uh, I grew up deer hunting with my dad and my brother, pretty much my grandpa. He hunted a little bit off and on with us. Um, since then we've, we've picked up a farm, uh, down in Morgan County. That's where I spend most of my time now. Um, but it's, it's, it's pretty much all I do is live and breathe deer hunting at this point. You know, I don't have many other hobbies other than that uh, <laughs> nothing wrong with that man and it's coming around the corner are you excited for this this coming season oh yeah i'm pumped i'm getting ready yeah I've what what's what's that process that. like for you oh geez uh normally normally i don't know february-ish sometimes early march i'll, I'll start running minerals you know just pouring the minerals to them trying to get those sites established for the the, the growing season really 
really starts ramping up that way they know it's there most of my sites yep. are uh our annual sites so they know it's there anyway but every once in a while i'll get a wild hair like this year i, I found a new area that uh I, I wanted to to start a new mineral site towards the center of our morgan county farm and uh, it's it's taken off pretty well but yeah i, I run cameras just about year round just because okay. i enjoy watching them grow and stuff like that yeah uh, yeah pretty much all summer i run cameras and then obviously this time of year i just started running uh corn in my feeders just off and on uh, about a month ago so it's it's getting close i can feel it i'm getting itchy yeah now what's uh, my brother so i didn't even think about running cameras this is uh, an elk year for me so i'm so focused on elk i don't even i just kind of come back and and then deer season's here so it's kind of nice um yeah. but i do i should have probably got out some trail cameras by now but my brother he sent me a really nice couple set of bucks that he had on camera last night what's your potential how's things kind of um you know stacking up what's what's it looking like um i've got i've got uh there's one definite shooter on the farm this year uh, at our morgan yeah. farm i had i've got sheds off of him that i picked up this past winter early spring whatever you want to call it um uh, one older one older buck up at my brother's place he lives in skin county he's got a small uh, chunk of land out there that i think this deer is going on seven we've got like one shed off of him and Oh, for whatever wow. reason we can't we can't get on him i don't know i mean he, he more or less just leaves the farm during rut like we have him early season clear up until rut he leaves yep. during rut he comes back in late season and he's pretty much nocturnal like we don't ever see him in the daylight so gotcha maybe we'll get a Smart. swing at him this year i don't know yeah i hope so man well kind of bring us through you know uh, growing up how did you get into hunting kind of what started started uh, the passion that you have for it now um I can remember, oh, dad always tells stories about it. I think I was probably six when I started walking with him. He'd go out during gun week. That's that's all we used to do was just gun hunt, just meat hunters is all we used to be. And he yep. would go out during gun week and I'd, I'd tag along. And he always likes to tell the story about me making snow angels in the snow and he's sitting there <laughs> trying to be quiet. And and then we never seen a whole lot. And as, as the years went by, you know, I think a couple of years went by and he started letting me carry a gun. I think I killed my first deer. It was an eight point buck, a little basket rack eight point. I think I was probably eight or nine. And that was pretty much what started it all. As soon as I shot that deer, I was like, man, this is great. I, I got to keep doing this. And then it was mm -hmm. just, obviously it's like, like most places, it's like a tradition. You know, everybody goes out, you know, gun week or, or bow season or whenever. And then the older I got, the more into to bow hunting I got. My dad and my brother, obviously, they got into it first. Um, just, just to lengthen our season out a little bit longer. Um, yeah. They started picking up some better bows. We started off with crossbows. And uh, my dad and my brother, they still do. And I got me an old hand-me-down crossbow that I started carrying. And I got yeah. a few kills under my belt. And uh, actually, I killed my first, I don't want to say big buck. He was 130-some inch, eight-pointer. Old buck, definitely an old buck. I think I yeah. was, oh shoot, I was probably 16. I think I just got my license that year and I, I rattled in this big old buck at our Morgan farm and shot him with that old hand-me-down crossbow. And I was like, <laughs> holy crap, you know, this is, this is way better than just shooting everything that moves. Like I want to yeah. try and do it this way, you know? It, but, it's uh, crazy the amount of adrenaline that you get, you know, whenever a nice buck comes in and gives you that opportunity, especially rattling them in. Oh like, yeah just that excitement i mean there's just nothing like that 
Yeah, and that was that was really my first uh, successful rattling. I mean, I've seen guys on TV do it, and you know, you always think, man, that'd be that'd be awesome to to experience that. And and it was it was kind of crazy how it all panned out. It was it was an old buck that lived on the farm. I think what we guessed him right around six years old when I killed him. We knew he was there. Um, my dad actually had pictures of him towards the center of the farm in a big thicket. And, uh, it was, it was a holiday weekend. I was off of school. I had Saturday, Sunday, and that following Monday off for veterans day. And, uh, I hunted, I mean, hard for that deer just over the hill from dad. My brother wasn't hunting with us that weekend. So he, he let me hang out in his spot for the weekend and, uh, hunted him. I mean, probably harder than what I should have Saturday and Sunday of that weekend. Never could find him. And then obviously I was off school that Monday. So I went back in there that Monday morning and sat and rattled and blind called and all that fun stuff. Didn't see him and got a little anxious, like, like the, the younger inexperienced hunters, like I was that normally do. And I crawled down out of the stand and walked down over the hill. And I set up on a, what we call the beach flat. Now it's just a, a small flat tucked right in the middle of a hill, uh, on a old Creek bottom. And I sat and I called and waited and, uh, a uh, short while later, a coyote comes sneaking around me from my left. And I thought, you know, okay, whatever, I'll shoot a coyote. <clears throat> so this coyote come by, I mean, he was like 20 yards. I had no idea I was there. I stopped him, just hurried up and shot. I think I ended up hitting a limb, limb or a sapling or something, broke my arrow, the coyote took off. I was, I was not happy. Yeah. Uh, found half my arrow and I was like, well, guys, you know, this was going on probably eight o'clock in the morning. I didn't know what I was doing out there. <laughs> um, I had, uh, I had a camera and a scrape dripper in my pack and I thought, well, I wanted to hang this. I'll go, I'll go hang it on, on the flat. And then I was still upset about that coyote. Like, man, I just go back to the truck. I went over and I hung my camera and my dripper and, uh, I, I hung it. I got it all situated and ready to go. And I'm like, man, you know, it's, it's only eight 30. Like, I should just go sit down here on the edge of this creek bank and just wait, just sit on the ground and wait. So I walked over and I found a good tree to sit against and uh, did some blind calling, some grunting and some rattling, waited a little while and, and rattled again. I don't know, about 15 minutes of blind calling and waiting went by and I just happened to catch movement across the creek up on the hill to my left. And uh, it just looked like an Angus bull coming through the woods with antlers. I mean, he had his ears pinned back, you know, hair bristled up. It's just that slow, stiff walk coming down over the hill. And he was probably, I don't know, closer to 80 or 90 yards up on top of the hill. Just, I mean, mad at the world. And I instantly, I hurried up and put my rattling horns down and I grabbed that old hand-me-down bow and I'm watching him come down and he's, he's on one trail that's going to put him at, at 40 yards from me. Had no idea I was there. He come down, I got him in the scope. I tried to stop him. He actually wouldn't stop. So he ended up crossing the creek up into the brush to my left, which was coming towards me almost. And I knew I could stand up and spin around. I heard him coming through the brush. So I stood up, spun around. And as soon as I spun around, he actually stopped, just come out of the brush and stopped. And I mean, it, it was like, I don't know, 25 yards. He stopped and looked at me and I didn't even give him the time to, to think about it. And I shot him, hit him right in the shoulder that old bow had just enough gumption behind it to, to go through him. And he hunkered up and took off running and made it across the swale. And he kind of stopped and did the, the stammer stepping around and he tipped over right there. And I come unglued. I tell you, I, uh, <laughs> I called dad 
immediately I called dad. He was just over the hill and I'm like, I, I got him. I got the, the big old heavy buck that we've been trying to kill. And he said, all right, I'll be there in a little bit. He come down with the deer cart and loaded him up. And I, I remember that one was my first big mature buck. I'd never, I, I never realized how bad they smelled during rut. And he, <clears throat> he was, he was a prime example of what a deer, a mature buck during rut smells like. He reeked. And it, mm -hmm. it took forever getting him up out of that hall because he was a big body deer. But that was that was just something that has stuck with me forever. That was that was kind of the the final nail in the coffin for me wanting to to chase bigger, more mature deer. Yeah. Oh man, that's awesome. That's a great story. Really awesome. Yeah. <laughs> just neat how you know these things pan out and kind of at the right time. Like you said, you just get that one taste of. Uh, a buck coming in you know uh, and i i've had a few opportunities for that to happen I, I i would i don't think i've shot what you call a giant i've shot some decent bucks but if they're grunting rutting you know putting on a show uh, it definitely gets your heart rate elevated and just is an incredible experience there's nothing like that oh yeah and i've 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 made i've blind called or i've called to a deer and had them come in not something i was going to shoot but just just seeing what they would do and how they interacted with that call and it's it's cool to watch them Mm -hmm. oh, that's neat so kind of moving on from there that was when you, you said you were 16 yeah i was 16 all right so in the last 10 years or so um tell us some of those other experiences that kind of like stood out to you whenever you just think look back on your hunting time and uh, any other ones that kind of rise at the top for you um i think after that one i didn't i didn't have a real good opportunity to kill a big deer until I think it was 2018. I killed, you know, potentially the biggest buck I'll ever kill, which I think the day we, the day I killed him, we threw a tape on him and we taped him at like 160 some and some change or something like that. But I had him throw wow. scored this past, uh, this past March at the deer and Turkey expo in Columbus. And they, they gross scored him at 152. So I expected him to shrink a little bit. Yeah. Um, Wow. But uh, right, let's go back. Actually, so when did you first, this a uh, trail cam deer? How did you first like get onto this guy? Absolutely. Uh, he was actually, I found a shed off of him and I didn't, I didn't put the two things together because he didn't quite match uh, the shed. When I first picked him up on camera, I found his shed up in a, a bedding area um, about 300 yards from where I ended up killing him. Same area that I picked him up on camera. That was the only part of the farm that I had him on camera. He was a big mainframe 10. He had a big kicker off his, uh, his right base and he had, uh, um, Oh, hang on. I'm getting a phone call. Oh, no problem. But anyway, he had a, uh, like I said, he had a, a big sticker point coming off his right base and he actually had, I think it ended up being a six and a half or a seven inch drop tine on his right side. I mean, he was, oh, nice. he was something to look at, but I picked him up summer of 2018 like i said on my mineral sites i was running mineral and cameras um probably june of that year i think june or or early july maybe and i could tell he was going to be something you know i could see his drop starting he had nice big full wraparound beams and i was like you know what this is the deer i'm going for it's it's him or nothing this year i told dad i was like it was probably the the wrong decision to make even though it worked out, but I told dad, I'm like, I'm going to hunt this deer until I kill him or, or bump him off the farm. And that was kind of where I, I, I call it my, uh, my inexperienced bow hunter knowledge kicking in and saying, yeah, we're just going to hunt this deer and nothing else. 
Yep. So I, uh, I started feeding in that area. Of course, I, I continued to feed in that area. I had, I had fed in that area before um, and had nice bucks, but nothing of this caliber. And uh, followed him all through the summer, you know, watched him grow, watched that drop grow. He ended up having huge uh, G3s compared to his, his fours and his twos and his brows. Everything else was kind of small except for his, his threes and his, his big sweeping beans. But uh, uh, had him coming in pretty regular, and I was confident that I could get a shot at him. Hunted him opening morning of bow season that year and ended up seeing him. But he was he was used to coming into the corn pile, but um, he, had, he had just recently run out of corn um, via the camera, and he knew that. So when I saw him, he was hanging out down in the, a creek bottom and he was just kind of milling around on some briars and whatever. He stayed out about a hundred yards and he never did uh, offer a shot. And uh, funny enough, dad, he was uh, just in a hay field. I don't know, probably five or 600 yards up out of the, the creek bottom from me. And he ended up seeing another one of our big bucks that morning as he was walking in, he said he tried to shoot him. And, and when he, he found him in his, his, his crossbow scope, he said all he could see was the fog sitting in the field that morning. He said it was a, a nice 10 point as well. Um, but, uh, that, that really, that really boosted my confidence thinking, okay, you know, this, this deer's killable. He's standing down here in broad daylight opening morning. Like, yeah, I've got somewhat of a shot of killing this deer. Yeah. So it seems for me, like our, my, my experiences with the summer, a lot of times you'll get a lot of summer picks and then just about that first weekend comes in for us, you know, it's uh, what is it, September 30th, their first, you know, about the first week of October, most of the time. And mm -hmm. it's just like, a lot of times they, they transition. So you know that having one that's there that opening day has to be exciting because you're like hey at least I, i've still got one that wants to play the game and still kind of general area. yep yep absolutely and it's it's kind of weird i've heard i've heard people talk about oh if you've got summer bucks here it means you're not going to have bucks in the fall here if you don't have bucks in the summer here it means you're going to have bucks in the fall here but this creek bottom it's really i don't, I don't know what it what's so special about it but it's really a, a good spot i mean i get I get quite a few velvet pictures, not so much anymore that the farmers, I don't know, three or 400 yards uh, down the creek uh, on the other property. Uh, he started a, an alfalfa field. So that pretty much draws all my, my deer down that way in the, uh, in the summertime. But uh, that alfalfa, it starts to die off pretty quick. And then within the first week or two, I've got deer all over that field, but uh, it's, it's crazy how, how much they prefer to be in this creek bottom at all hours of the day. I mean, I get them at night, but like this morning, my, my cell cam sent me a picture of a, a nice four-year-old eight point that just walked through that creek bottom at like eight o'clock this morning. Hmm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this buck, I knew he was, he wasn't spooked the morning I saw him. Like he was just feeding around down in there and he turned and just, you know, he walked the other way as most big bucks do. Yep. But uh, I kept running my camera. I kept going to him, obviously. And uh, he was, I mean, he was still daylighting clear up into October, I think. Like, I just, I couldn't be there when he was there because of school or because of work or whatever it may be. But uh, he was, he was staying pretty frequent. And I thought, okay, you know, he's, he's comfortable down there. He's still killable. And uh, never saw him again during bow season. And uh, gun season rolled around. I had just bought. Uh, CVA 450 Bushmaster single shot. Nice. 
excited about trying out this new Bushmaster that everybody was talking about. And it was all the rage. And I got it dialed in. And I remember waking up with my dad and my brother that morning. Not very often we get to hunt, you know, all three together anymore with our, our work schedules. And, but, uh, yeah, we all loaded up in the truck that morning. And I remember the forecast was terrible. High winds, nasty, drizzling rain. It was cold and miserable and wet. And I thought, man, you know, it's, those are the days that it's, it's tough getting out there for me. I don't, I'm, I'm a fair weather hunter. I hate getting wet. <laughs> I hate walking through it. I hate sloshing through the mud, but I, uh, I dropped them off, dropped the truck off. And then I ended up walking back down the lane and, uh, walked past the farmer's barn and down over the hill, like I normally do. And, uh, I got to go through a, a, like a small section of, of horse gates and lots to get to where, uh, the, the, fields kind of open up and then it breaks over down into this big creek bottom and it's it's really kind of a cool field because it's it's wooded but it's a field you know what i mean like it's got yeah. sporadic trees growing in it but it's way way down in a big creek bottom it's not a real wide field i think the widest point's probably probably 80 yards but it's probably i don't know 350 or 400 yards long and it parallels this creek and then there's a, a cattle fence running next to it that divides it from the brush and more of the woods uh that grow right down in the main creek bottom and then obviously up the other side but uh i walked through the last lot right as the the hill breaks over down into this creek bottom and there's a field leading down to the main uh, flat field and there was uh i think there was eight does standing on that hillside just kind of grazing in the, in the wind and the rain and i thought you know man i could just I could just shoot one of these does now and call it a day and go back and <laughs> go back and get warm and and dry and still have meat in the freezer and I, I found this big doe in my scope and I thought no just just let her go you know you don't you don't need a doe right now there's there's still a big buck running around here so I ended up not shooting her and then about that time I got busted and they all took off running straight down into the bottom and and ran straight down uh parallel with the creek and I thought well they're running right where all my deer come from I guess I should have just shot her um but I ended up walking down over the hill anyway I got past where they were at probably 80 or 90 yards from that last gate and uh i was almost to the bottom i could see across the field i could see the cow fence and then i could see the creek uh, where that buck was hanging out at opening day and actually a, a small doe just a little yearling doe uh, she must have seen me but not the herd of does that ran right past her and she jumped up and took off running um, across a small brushy clearing where i've actually got a an area cleared out for a food plot that i'm going to put in this year but she took off through there and i mean right behind her i could just see a big rack bouncing through the brush it i just i didn't even think about it i was just like yep he's big enough i'm gonna shoot him and i i, I pulled the hammer back on that old tva and he had a clearing and i let him have it at that point panic set in because i didn't see him run i could hear him i could hear him thrashing around and bellering down in the brush i knew i hit him but uh he got up after i had you know, jogged down to the field, he got up and I could see him coming back through the weeds, uh, probably 60 or 70 yards from me running parallel with the creek. And I hurried up and, and loaded another shell and uh, shot and missed him. And he spun and ran back in the initial direction that he was headed. And I reloaded and he got down in the, in the creek. It's a kind of a deep high bank creek and I lost him. So I was sneaking down the edge of this, this cow fence, you know, dividing, me from him and all this brush in between us and I, i'm looking down in the creek and i'm you know sneaking down the edge of this fence and and i could just see 
I don't know, 40, 50 yards ahead of me, I could see the top of a rack kind of hobbling down through the creek, sneaking along. He wasn't really running at this point. You could tell he was hit. He was hit pretty good, but uh, he uh, he hobbled up out of the, the creek for a minute onto a, a little, not so much an island, a little point that kind of diverts the creek back towards the fence. And he mm-hmm. kind of stopped and you could tell he was, he was gathering himself and trying to figure out what he was going to do next. And at that point he was 40 yards from me. So I, I doused him again and he, he hunkered up and ran across the Creek and straight up about a five foot bank straight out of the Creek and just stopped and stood there and looked around. And I thought, okay, there it is. And I mean, he just dropped right back down into the Creek and that was, that was where he expired. And oh wow, it was, it was, I couldn't even explain it. It was like, I was so overrun with so many kinds of emotions. I called my girlfriend, Charlie crying. I called my dad and my brother. They were clear on the other side of the farm. And honestly, I wasn't even a hundred percent sure that it was the drop time buck. I knew it was just a big buck. I was, I wasn't, I wasn't dead set on, you know, that deer. If I saw another big, what I thought was mature buck, I was going to shoot him, but it ended up being him. So it was, nice. uh, it, it ended up working out that I didn't shoot that doe. <laughs> comes down to a game of choices doesn't it where you yeah, eh, yeah it could do this but then if i do that yeah that's uh, awesome man big yeah. buck too oh yeah yeah he was he was a stud yeah what's your uh what's your dad's reaction and and uh your brothers as they come up to see this buck with you oh they were they were grinning ear to ear walking down the road because um they were like i said they were clear on the other side of the farm and you'd have to you'd have to see that side of the farm to understand it's an old cattle road that goes way down into this this creek bottom uh separate creek bottom actually deeper than the one that i was in and it was covered in mud and just slick as snot and they had a heck of a time coming up out of there and i told them i mean they're clear on the other side of the farm like you guys can keep hunting if you want you know my shots didn't didn't blow their hunt at all so um I think they went and sat for a little while and then they ended up coming back out. And by then I had already, you know, marched all the way back to the truck and grabbed my four wheeler and, and gutted and got the deer out and was parked on the road when they came, you know, trotting down over the, the hill on this old lane. And you know, it was like, yep, that's him. Like it's, it was, it's, it's something that really sticks with you. I mean, everyone, it was, it was more of a group success at that point because they knew, how hard I was hunting this deer and and they knew how bad I wanted that deer. And it just to see it come full circle like that, it was really something sweet. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome, man. You gave me fired up for this year. So that's, uh, you know, and like you said, it's kind of hard to top, but it, it never, I, I've never heard anybody shoot one that big and like, well, I guess I'm going to quit now. You know what I mean? There's always like, let's keep going. Let's see. Cause it's, it's not really about the size. It's just about that experience and just, you know, it, uh, yeah. each deer has a different, different challenge to it, different scenario. Oh, yeah. No, no story is the same. So that's pretty cool. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. But, uh, he, he kind of, when, when that deer died, I said earlier about how, um, when, when that story ended, another one began, uh, I'm just going to jump right into the next yeah. story, which is kind of the main one that I was excited to share with you. Um, like I said, that was 2018. I run, I run multiple cameras on this farm. So, uh, as I was getting pictures of him and even when I wasn't, I was still running cameras all over the farm and I actually picked up, uh, it was just a, a weird looking, I guess he wasn't weird looking. He just didn't grow, a uh, a fourth point on his one side. He was just a seven pointer, but I remember he was blind in one eye and it wasn't like, Oh, he gouged it out and it's all pussed up and infected. Like he just, 
you could tell when he came in at night, the infrared pictures, when he looked at the camera, only one eye would glow. And I just assumed he, he just went blind in that eye for whatever reason. I'm not real sure how all that works, but, uh, I never, I never really paid much attention to him. He was probably a, a 90 or 107 pointer. I thought, okay, yeah, he might be something one day. And, uh, I had him in an area that I, I ended up starting to call, uh, the bachelor pad, which is just a big hardwood Ridge, um, that runs parallel with a really long, uh, kind of overgrown cow field and, uh, another real steep, uh, hill that drops off into a Creek bottom. And, uh, I ran minerals back there. It's, it's such a hard spot to get to. Um, I never, I initially never had a stand there and I never fed there just because it's easier for me to, to pack in minerals rather than you know, 300 pounds of corn or whatever. So <laughs> I, uh, I started getting pictures of this buck here. Well, actually there was, there was oak trees there. So that, that kind of helped me out. But, uh, I, uh, started getting pictures of this deer and, uh, I think youth season of that year, my sister, she went out with my dad and they actually passed this deer. Just, you know, he just wasn't what she was interested in. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I never paid much attention to him. So we fast forward into, uh, 2019. And, uh, unfortunately for me at the time I was laid off. So, you know, my, my work schedule was nothing. So I was getting out hunting when I could, which you know, I had a lot more free time than what I normally do, obviously. So I went out opening evening. I had, I had started getting pictures of, uh, of a buck, you know, kind of, kind of framey wrap around eight point, And he's trying to grow little crab claw G4s out on his ends, but he was blind in one eye. And the only deer that I thought, you know, lived in that area was the little seven pointer. So I, I initially started calling him, um, blades just because his, his beams were bladed out on the end where he was trying to grow g4s and be a 10 point and i thought okay you know that's that's a pretty cool deer i'll hunt that you know he wasn't a giant by any means he was probably a mid 130s eight point but i was i would have been content with him to kill him with my vertical bow yeah um, so i started getting this deer in velvet you know running cameras he's coming to the mineral and then i, I realized he was more frequent in that area than he had been the year before and i started you know, getting a little bit daring and I'd, I'd carry 50 pounds of corn across this nasty Creek bottom and back up the other side. And he was, he was coming to it. And I had a stand there. So I thought, all right, you know, I'll go hunting. So the first evening uh, of bow season, 2019 come around and I, I hiked across this Creek bottom and my entry was perfect straight down one side, straight back up the other. And I was in my tree. It was, it was perfect. The wind was carrying straight back across the hollow. So he couldn't even hardly come around me and get downwind without, without getting shot. Um, the only problem was the, the way the, the way the trees were is I didn't have a lot of good options for getting a stand in a tree and being able to get out, you know, getting, getting to, to stop, you know, 20 or 30 yards away. Like I had a corn pile 15 feet or not 15 feet, 15 yards from my tree. And that was the only open area that I had back here just because of the way the treetops were. And I didn't have a, a, a trimming saw. Mm. So I, uh, I crawled up in the stand that evening and I'm waiting and, you know, the wind's blowing right. And I'm just kind of taking everything in like I normally do. And a pretty nice sized doe come in uh, from behind me. There was one main trail that ran right underneath my stand. And uh, she was coming in on it and she was kind of milling around and doing whatever and, 
she never did make it to the corn. She ended up just getting sidetracked. She ended up leaving the way she came. Um, but out in front of me, there was a, a small swale that led down into this uh, big creek bottom. So I was looking at it, you know, perpendicular with the ridge. And then directly across it was a what I assumed was a good bedding area. It was real thick, real high stem count, uh, brush, briars, down trees, you name it, it was there. And uh, I watched a doe come out of it trot down over the the little swale that was in between she and I there was a main trail there and she come up and started nibbling on the corn just like they always do and she she checked me a couple times I mean she'd look up you know just hold still and she'd go back to eating or whatever and then uh, pretty soon another deer come out this was about an hour before dark and uh, you know it's it's moving around on the other side of the swale and it's moving its head and from what I could tell it didn't have a rag so I was watching this doe it was almost directly underneath me at this point and uh, I glanced back at this other deer that I was almost certain was a doe and it trots down into the swale and all of a sudden it's got a rack. And I'm like, oh crap. You know, I, I was pretty sure about what deer it would have been, but I wasn't convinced it was him just because I didn't get a good look at him as he, as he trotted down into that swale. And as he come up the other side, I, I got a full front picture, the bladed, uh, the, the bladed beams, the eight point frame with the, the small G four. And I thought, Oh crap, I don't even have my bow in my hand. You know, I've got a, I've got a doe that's, you know, roughly 10 yards from the base of my tree. I'm wide open for her. I've got plenty of cover blocking me from him. He's looking right at her and I'm like, all right, well, I guess we're going to see how this works. So, uh, <laughs> he, he's kind of eyeballing her and he's looking around, he's calm and Every time she would look back at him, I would, you know, slowly reach up and, and start reaching closer to my bow and she'd put her head down and she'd kind of glance back up at me and he never did look at me. But uh, she she started getting a little nervous after she realized that I wasn't in the same exact position, you know, 30 seconds later that I was when she looked at me the last time and she started getting a little nervous. And uh, this buck, he started coming up over the hill and coming in towards the corn yeah, he was facing right at me and he ended up starting to come in and uh quartering to me and this doe she was she had had enough i mean she was panicked she ended up snorting trotting clear back out around him down into the little swale stood there and watched me and that buck stood there for oh i don't know six or seven or eight minutes and watched her and as as she took off you know all the attention was on her so i reached up and grabbed my bow and, and knocked my release and everything and and uh it's it's funny it's funny the way i tell the story it's he just kind of stood there and looked at her like what are you freaking out about like he wasn't even he wasn't even startled he was just kind of confused yeah. as to why she was as why she was panicking and he was looking around and he didn't see anything that concerned him so he started coming in again and he was he was kind of milling around as he came in you know he was checking things out and nibbling and stuff like that and that dove she just completely left so it was pretty much just me and him at that point. And he was, he was still coming in pretty steep to me, but he was starting to turn and he had one big tree between him and I, and I knew, you know, he was blind in his right eye, but his left eye was facing me. So I, I couldn't use that to my advantage. Um, but he got in behind this big tree and I come to full draw and I'm waiting. And you know, of course, like they do, he found something that intrigued him. So he stopped and he stood there for, solid two or three minutes and i'm at full draw waiting on him to come out from behind this tree and all i can see is his head and his his, his back end sticking out from behind the tree and uh i leaned it would be uh, to my right being to the left of him 
just so he couldn't see me. I ended up letting down and he's at, oh gosh, 20 yards. Mm. And uh, at this point I, I'm panicking. Like I've never had this happen before. You know, I'm, I'm coming unglued in the tree and uh, I let down, rested my bow on my knee for a minute. And uh, he started to step out again. And as he did, he started to turn more broadside. Granted, he's still steep quartering to me and I drew again you know he starts to step out and I can see that front shoulder and I thought okay you know he's still hard quartering to me but I, I'm confident that I can slip it down in front of the shoulder and hit that offside shoulder or, or directly behind it and uh like I said earlier that's where my my young inexperienced bow hunter kicked in and I let her fly hit him right where I wanted to right in front of that front left shoulder and uh you know, he wheeled around and took off down in the creek bottom and he never did stop. And uh, it was getting late. And I knew there was a storm coming in that night. So I, I spent a little bit of time in the tree making phone calls, trying to get a hold of dad. He was actually at a cookout. So I was, I was kind of on my own from there. I give him a little bit of time. I didn't, I, I wasn't sure that I heard him crash down in the creek bottom because I wasn't entirely sure where I hit him. I knew I hit him in the area that I wanted to but I wasn't entirely sure that I heard him crash when he, when he went up the Creek. So I, I climbed down with a little bit of light left, looked for my arrow, looked for blood. I couldn't find either. Um, ended up getting on the trail that he was on. I could see where he had run down over the, the little swale and then back up the other side where he came from before he dropped back down into the main bottom and uh, finally got on some blood. And you know, it's like you'd normally find just little, pin drops specs here and there because it was would have been a high hit i was i think i was 25 feet and he was 20 yards so i'm not very good at math but my angle is pretty sharp mm -hmm. and uh and um got like i said pin drops here and there and then it finally started to open up the farther he got he was really starting to open up and uh was getting good blood after about 80 or 90 yards i was i was confident like i was finding quite a bit of blood um got down in the creek, crossed the creek, still finding good blood. You know, I could see the trail he was on. It was all tore up. And then after I had gone about 150 yards or so, he was crossing uh, some treetops and I just lost blood. I mean, he just up and stopped. We went from pin drops to good blood to absolutely nothing. And uh, I was kind of confused. I mean, I've seen him do it before, but I was concerned because, you know, it's, opening evening it's 75 degrees out and there's a storm rolling in and I really didn't want to leave him lay overnight but it was getting dark and I didn't want to push him <clears throat> so I uh I got a hold of dad and he said well we'll just you know there's a storm rolling in there's thunder just over the hill and I thought well we're gonna have to leave him so we ended up leaving him that night coming back down the next day uh it didn't wash as much blood away as I thought I showed dad what happened and, and the blood trail that we could find that was left after the rain and uh yeah he was he was kind of stumped too you know we couldn't really figure out what had happened i told him where i hit him and what i was aiming for and in my head it was it was a pretty good shot i thought you know in front of the shoulder aiming for that just just off shoulder and uh i thought well you know we 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 uh scoured just about every thicket we could find on the farm thinking of where that deer might have gone we went back to his main bedding area that i thought was and uh, he wasn't there. He wasn't in the main thicket in the middle of the farm. Dad goes, well, you may have to just come back out and look for buzzards later this week because we were we were running out of options. And, and uh, we didn't really want to walk the rest of the farm 
just trying not to ruin it for the next two weeks. Uh, so we just kind of wrote him off as a loss, really. And uh, I come back out a couple more times and look for buzzards, and I'd come out in the evening and listen for coyotes, and uh, I, I never could find either. And I just was kind of baffled at what happened to this deer. You know, no arrow, the amount of blood that we found, and just nothing. So <clears throat> fast forward a couple weeks, I ended up moving the camera um, back to an area again that I called the beach flat where I shot my big heavy eight pointer, um, threw out some corn. And I mean, within a week he was there and I oh, thought, wow. there's, no, there's no way like he was there. This is, Oh, it should be, should be mid October. So he's coming into the corn, but he's starting to get, you know, that little bit of, of ruddy about him. He's starting to kind of check does and posture with other bucks. And he had a, a nice little broadhead shaped tattoo right in front of his front shoulder where I was aiming. And then when I would get pictures of his right side, you could see a massive growth of some sort, a massive like tumor hanging right off, right behind his front shoulder where you would aim if he was absolute broadside. And I thought, how did I not kill that deer? Cause in my mind, that's where the arrow tried to try to exit was right behind that, that uh, opposite front shoulder. And for whatever reason, it didn't kill him. So I started hunting him back there. I hung a climber, hunted him a couple times, couldn't get on him. Uh, and then between my school and work schedule, I didn't have a whole lot of time to get out there after him, but he was still alive. And that was, that was the confirmation I needed. Like, okay, you, you may get a second option here. Um, so as the season went on, we started getting into rut and uh, really his tumor just kind of went away. I mean, he, he, he just, kind of healed up and he was posturing with other bucks in front of the camera and every once in a while i'd get a picture of him chasing a doe by and he was doing all the things a normal healthy buck should i thought okay well he's, he's gonna live it seems like and then we kind of fast forward here into to gun season of that year and uh, a friend of dad's that works down at the plant that i work at um, he knew about the deer he hunts just uh, caddy corner across the property from where we hunt and he come to dad one day and said, Hey, you know, I shot this, this nice eight pointer that I had on camera, you know, the, the bladed, the bladed eight pointer with the small fours, whatever. And he said, he got good blood. He shot him with a, a 450 Bushmaster as well. And, uh, was telling dad, he said, he got good blood all the way to the fence, but he crossed the fence. And, uh, he said, you know, he didn't have permission from that particular neighbor to go on and look. So I thought, okay, well, you know, he's probably dead now. If he made it over onto our place, we might find him during shed season or something. And uh, so I, I pretty much just wrote him off the list and started looking for another deer that year. And uh, right, right before, right after Christmas time, uh, I got a really, really bad picture of what looked like that book. And I'm like, I was looking at it. I kept on looking at the picture. I'm like, it kind of looks like him, but I'm not entirely sure. But I'm like, if that is him, like, it's it's crazy. This deer has been shot twice in one year, and he, he's still kicking. So at that point, we just kind of changed his name from Blades uh, to uh, Superman just because <laughs> he, was, he was indestructible at that point. Like, he's been shot once with a bow, at least once with a gun. Like, you, you just can't kill this deer. Yeah. So that was where he ended up with the name Superman. Um, we get into uh, shed season. You know, I'm out scouring the, the hills trying to find his sheds. Couldn't find his sheds. Um, 
found obviously a bunch of other ones, but none of the ones that I was digging real hard for. Um, started into the, the summer and early spring and summer of, of 2022, and I'm running my minerals and cameras as I normally do, and I'm getting um, <clears throat> good pictures of another buck that I called Lucky. You know, he was actually shot in 2019 as well by another neighbor. Uh, the typical hit him in the shoulder, didn't get enough penetration, didn't kill him. So that was, we just started calling him lucky. He was a nice eight point. Um, and another buck we called droopy. He had real tall tight rack buck with the main beams that actually curved down and they curved down, I don't know, three or four inches. And I, I ended up finding one of his sheds uh, that year from the previous year. I just, I had a few pictures of him, but never, never a whole lot. So I had droopy and lucky, you know, they were, they were buddies during the summer and velvet, like bucks do and i had some great pictures of them um on like i said the bachelor pad and uh the corner of the hay field that dad hunted in in 2018 and uh there was this other buck that was running with them that i never i never could get him to walk in front of the camera at the right time it was always blurry or foggy or he was moving and i could tell he was a good a good frame buck i just couldn't get him to hold still long enough like i had great pictures of, of droopy and lucky and it was it was pretty cool but yeah as the as the growing season went on in the summertime i finally got this deer to walk in front of the camera good and it was nice you know full wraparound 10 point had a big deep split on his left too and some some trash points little sticker trash points on his left side and he was blind in his right eye and i thought there ain't no way that, that this deer is surviving this long and i mean it's same exact frame as what he had the year before just a little bit bigger with a deep split that he never had for the last two years like he just grew it out of the blue so i'm like all right you know this is cool you know, he's he's still alive so we get into late summer early fall whatever it is and i'm getting pictures of him off and on and uh down in the uh, the area where I killed the drop tine buck, I, I call it the honey hole or, or death valley or whatever you want to call it because it's a deep creek bottom that we really have good luck in with with killing big bucks. But I had a, another buck down there that uh, he was a mainframe mainframe ten, good brows, not super wide, pretty deer. He had the uh, just a little bit of a double throat patch going on, and uh, I think his was his right side. He had a, a whatever you call it a common base two he had a real deep fork or common base two on his right side and then a little kicker off his left two yeah and uh he just he caught my eye for some reason and he was coming in quite a bit and uh constantly really and i i, I kind of forgot about superman because this deer was so frequent and i, I enjoyed getting pictures of this deer and i'm like this deer's coming in quite a bit we're sneaking up on season we're in the middle of september he's coming in i'm feeding and uh, I remember I ended up going out a couple of days before season just to, to refresh in my corn pile because I'm, I'm that guy that hunts over 400 pounds of corn. <laughs> but, uh, I, uh, I remember checking the camera and he was there at like eight o'clock in the morning, six o'clock in the morning, nine o'clock in the morning. And I'm, I'm a morning hunter. Uh, my, yeah. I work second shift. So that's about the only time I get to go out and hunt except for the weekends that I'm right. not busy is mornings um so i thought man you know this deer's coming in quite a bit in the mornings you know, we're just a couple days away from season i'm like i've got a blind down here like 
you know, I, I might be able to kill this deer. <clears throat> so I thought, okay, we'll, we'll hunt it. We'll hunt it opening morning just, just to see. And uh, opening morning rolled around. Um, I, uh, I got up early like I normally do, got down there. Uh, I was trying to be as, as sneaky as I could coming through that, that cow pasture. It was, it was full of iron weed, so I had a bunch of brush to kind of cover my movement. Of course, I was getting in early. Uh, got situated in the blind. There was actually deer in the creek when I got there. And uh, I crawled into the blind. I was covered up with does all morning. Um, the wind wasn't really bad that morning, but I think it was my thermals kind of carrying. Uh, I got busted once by a big doe and she ended up letting me slide and she come in and she stood at like 20 or 25 yards and fed with this little yearling. And there was some other does that come in and busted me. And I just thought, you know, well, this, this morning's probably a bust. And the, the, the second group of does that come in that busted me, they, they cleared out, they left the area. And, uh, there was, (laughs) it was kind of funny how it worked out. There was some cows down in the Creek probably 80 or 90 yards from me um down creek from me there was a, a small lot that the farmers got built down there so they can cross from one field to the next up on the next hill and i could hear them down there you know, sloshing around in the mud and rattling the the metal gates with the you know, just the little chains you could hear the chains bouncing off the gates oh, great they're down there making all kinds of commotion yeah it, i just it didn't seem like a recipe for success to me and <laughs> i kid you not probably probably a half hour after i heard those cows making all kinds of ruckus i'm sitting there and this big doe swings her head up and looks straight through the iron weed directly away from me and she's looking around and she puts her head back down i thought okay whatever maybe it's maybe it's that group of does coming back or one of those cows moving around down there and not five minutes later a rack i just see just a rack pops up over the top of the iron weed and i thought oh wow okay so I can see one main trail that I get him on all the time and it's leading straight for him. There's a, there's a small hump in between him and I and uh, this iron weed's got him completely covered except for his rack. And I'm watching it and trying to judge what he's doing by how he's moving his head. And uh, he doesn't come straight in. He come, he kind of skirts around the edge of the iron weed and uh, he stops clear off to my right, which is actually where the second group of does busted me. And he locks him up and I thought, oh no, he's got me. And he stopped. He's I, like I said, I'm watching his rack and he's kind of looking around. And, uh, he, he stood there for what seemed like forever was probably only a minute or two. And yeah. he spun 180 degrees and walked right back where he came from. And I thought, okay, he's leaving. And pretty soon that rack turns straight facing me and he steps up on this bank. And I remember it was just the prettiest thing in the world watching that, that little double throat patch and that, that 10 point frame come up over that bank. And then pretty soon I could see his, his entire front end standing there looking around and looking at the does. He's, he's within bow range at this point, he's 35 yards. I'm like, Oh crap, he's coming in. So I didn't have a, a bow hanger in my, in my blind. So I'm holding my bow this entire time. So I'm already partially ready. And, uh, he starts to come straight in on this trail that I normally get him on. And this big doe, she, she immediately leaves. And, uh, this, this little yearling still standing there and he come in and kind of greeted her or whatever they do. And he starts to eat. And, uh, the whole time he's facing directly at me and I I didn't want to shoot him facing straight on. So I sat there and I watched him and I watched him and, 
and this little yearling doe is kind of messing with him and he doesn't want her there and he keeps on nudging her off and every time he, he positions himself to kind of push her away he starts to get a little bit more broadside a little bit more broadside and i remembered the whole superman spiel about don't shoot him you know hard quarter and two unless you can slip it in behind his, his shoulder so i had multiple in front of the shoulder shots that i i opted not to take and uh finally after six or seven minutes of him messing with this little this little yearling doe he finally spun clear broadside stuck his head down and uh his his head disappeared from the the cutoff iron weed in front of me and i was able to get drawn and and uh shoot him i think he was 20 yards and and uh he spun around and he ran off down into the creek and i could hear him crashing around down in the creek and hear the rocks rolling around and pretty soon he just the sound stopped and i knew i put a good shot on him I gave him a little bit of time, made some phone calls and walked out. And sure enough, he was right down in the creek. But uh, that was that was my opening day, 2020. I was done in an hour and a half. And I was I was absolutely stoked to, to shoot this deer. I mean, opening day, two years in a row, I released an arrow. I finally got one on opening day. <laughs> That's pretty and cool. I uh, yeah, it was it was it was exciting. But uh I had kind of, I had kind of forgotten about Superman just because he wasn't super common. And as the season progressed, I had uh, another big buck down in there, actually a, a even bigger buck. He was real, real hit and miss. I called Goliath, the real, real tight, heavy 10 pointer. And I thought, okay, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll try and get dad on, on Goliath. And uh, I was, I was picking dad up from work and he was working days and I was working nights at the time. And we were running straight down to the blind, crawling in the blind. And we actually saw Goliath one time just too far to shoot him. He come down off of the, the opposite hill down into the creek. And he, he went straight down the creek. Um, but one evening I was sitting down there by myself. I was actually looking for a doe. I had my crossbow just, just because, you know, I'd already shot a buck with my vertical bow. And my crossbow doesn't get that much of a workout anymore. <laughs> so... Uh, <clears throat> I'm sitting in, I'm sitting in the blind and it's, it's getting rut time. I think it's, it might've been early November or late, late October. Um, I watched uh, a really nice young buck that I actually had dad pass on. I think the week before I watched him come by chasing a doe uh, across the cow field to my left. And uh, he's up there running around and another small buck come by and I'm watching them, you know, play young buck rut and uh, just, I'm, I'm, I'm watching out in front of me, of course, through the what's left of the iron weed at that point. I glance back out in the field to my left, and all of a sudden, here comes this really big frame buck. And I'm like, wow, where'd he come from? He come from behind me and was working uh, parallel with the creek down, you know, down the creek on the opposite side of the field. And uh, he starts picking his head up, looking around deep, deep fork on his left side. And I thought, holy crap, that's Superman. You know, I haven't, I, very rarely do I see him in that area. So I was kind of caught off guard that he was there really. Um, and I watched him. I, I tried to film him as best I could on my phone. Yeah. You know, I, I just now actually this past muzzleloader season, I started getting into the whole filming game. That's a whole nother story about it. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so I, I, uh, I watched Superman for a little while. He was you know, milling around and doing whatever on the other side of the field. And actually he heard, this young buck chasing this doe up on the hill and he actually went up there and I could just barely see him through the tops of the trees and you know they were chasing each other around and they were posturing and 
I, I vaguely remember a, a real faint snort wheeze and that was pretty cool, but um, how it typically goes, the bigger mature buck runs in and runs the small buck off and takes his doe, you know, but uh, that, that cut, um, that encounter was pretty much what killed that deer because I remember he followed that edge of that field down and I thought I can get a stand over there. Why, why haven't I put a stand over there yet? So we went through that season that ended up killing a, a pretty solid buck down there uh, during gun week. Like he normally does. He ended up going and killing a pretty solid 10 pointer. Um, so we, we get into uh, summer of 2021. Like I said, running cameras, minerals, I picked up Superman again in velvet. He's just a big full wraparound beans, mainframe eight point, the picture I was sending you. Uh, oh yeah. He's got, uh, I don't know. It's like a, like a little three inch. I don't even want to call it a drop tine. It was something coming off his left base. It kind of got like a, like a downward hook point And then mm-hmm. uh, another sticker point in between his left two and his, his brow. But other than that, he was just a big framey eight pointer. And I thought, you know, he's, he's pushing five, if not six this year. So I'm like, yeah, all right, we're, we're going to go for this deer. It's going to be him or nothing. And, uh, I started getting good velvet pictures of him off and on. And, and like in years past, he wasn't real frequent. And I started getting pictures of, uh, another big buck that I actually hadn't seen before a real big, tall, uh, kind of thin rack nine point. And, uh, I started hunting him opening day. I went out opening morning, uh, knew I couldn't get into the area where he was at or where I thought he might be just because I'd have to walk past where I thought he was betting at to get into the stand. And I didn't want to run that risk. Um, so I opted to sit in a stand, uh, just farther down the Creek from where that spot was at about 150 yards. And sure enough, I've got the, the cell cam up there and he walks by right before dark and is standing in front of that camera. And, and, uh, I think shortly after daylight, he finally left and went up onto the neighbor's place and bedded down in the direction that I saw him leave the camera. So that was kind of a bummer, but I knew he was, he was in the area and I, I was confident that I might be able to get an arrow in him. And, uh, actually fast forward about 24 hours. This is our, our second evening of season last year. I ended up taking my girlfriend, Charlie to that stand. Cause I knew we wouldn't be able to get into there in the morning. So we went in for an evening hunt, got in early, fought off the heat and the mosquitoes. We actually bumped a couple of does already on the beach flat on our way in. And I had a, a ladder stand hung ready for her just for one particular deer. That was an old, not a real big buck, but a huge bodied buck, um, pushing five mean as all get out. He actually pushed the big nine pointer out as soon as the velvet started getting thin and they started rubbing it off. He ran him clear out. I never got any more pictures of him until I think October, I had very few pictures of him. Um, but we went in, hunted that evening, had, I mean, deer all around us. As soon as we got in, I think we saw, I think 10 or 11 deer that night. And then right before dark, you know, here come this big burly old nine pointer, you know, <laughs> not, not the biggest rack in the world, but that's normally how it goes. Like the, the kind of lesser, lesser rack size, older, more mature buck. Yeah. The one that the bully bucks he comes strutting in and all the other deer pretty much just dispersed when he, when he showed up like they normally do. And he come in and, and she got ready and I mean, absolutely pinwheeled him. He run 60 yards. And the only reason he ran 60 yards is because he run downhill. But, uh, awesome. That, that took, uh, 
the bully buck out of the herd and, and give me um, more time to focus on uh, hunting what I thought I was hunting was Apollo, um, the big nine point. And uh, he was he was a little bit more hit and miss. Yeah, I think he was still nervous of the area. I'm not real sure in that or he just had better areas to be. But uh, we started getting into middle of October and the, the lower barn field where I shot my drop time buck. I was picking up new bucks just because they were starting to, to venture around and act a little bit ruddy. And it, uh, it was, it was pretty cool seeing some of the, the newer bucks were showing up and I hadn't seen before. And I was still hunting, um, the big nine point and I was still getting pictures here and there of Superman in the same exact area that uh, my girlfriend had killed her buck out of. So I was still hunting that backside of the farm, which ironically enough was where he ran to, in 2019 when i shot him the first time he he kind of ran back to that area and he must have felt safe and he he started to live there so i was hunting him out of that ladder stand for probably a solid month and never could get eyes on him he, he was almost strictly at night when he was in there uh, in there in the daytime he was very very few times and uh i had him Coming into late October, I had him on a scrape, a mock scrape, near a spot I call the gate gap, just down the creek on the other side of the hill from that particular ladder stand um, in daylight. I think it was the 29th of October, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. I had like three really good pictures of him working a mock scrape. And uh, I'm new to the saddle hunting game, but I, I know, the, I know the, the bare minimum of how to saddle hunt and how to kill a deer out of a saddle. So I thought, okay, I can, I can get my saddle up there and, and try and kill him. So October 31st, that day I went up and hung my saddle set and come back in that evening, hunted, um, saw a buck I call TJ, which is, he's actually still around right now. He's, he's getting some good size about him uh, and another smaller eight point, a couple does and a coyote that evening. Um, Never did see Superman on that mock scrape, but uh, I'd hunted all weekend, and uh, which I didn't plan on hunting all weekend that particular weekend, but I did. And uh, come home that evening, you know, Halloween evening, and I told Charlie, I was like, you know what, I'm just, I'm just going to take Monday off. We were going to go do some grocery shopping or something, just, just mm -hmm. to give me a, a little bit of a break. I'd grounded out pretty hard that weekend trying to hunt this deer and. Oh yeah. Uh, I, uh, right before bed that night, I, uh, I got on my phone and looked at the weather and it was supposed to be cold, clear, calm. And I thought, man, I, I'd be a fool if I didn't hunt in the morning, November 1st, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I told her right before I went to bed, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go out, have a, a quick morning hunt. I'm going to go down to the barn. And if anything, I'm just going to use it as a scouting mission because, because I'm, I'm confident in my in and out uh, my entry and exit in that, uh, that particular spot. And I thought if anything, you know, I'll, I'll be able to get eyes on some of these new bucks that are showing up and see what they're all about see if they're actually, you know, what I think they are, if they need another year or what. Um, but I had initially planned on being done by nine o'clock, which is going against my golden rule of don't even, don't even think about leaving until after 10 o'clock during the rut. <laughs> but, uh, I got up that morning we got ready as, as usual, got out there, got out of the truck, got all sprayed down. It's cold, it's frosty. And I, I hiked down over the hill and, and normally I'll jump 
jump a doe or two, just the odds and ends deer that are kind of wandering around the side of that hill. And uh, I didn't jump anything. I got, I got in absolutely perfect. Didn't jump one single deer. It was, it was go time. I crawled up. That's, in the tree. that's a good feeling, isn't it? <laughs> it, it absolutely is. When yeah. You can get into a spot 100% perfect in an area that you were almost sure you were going to jump one random little doe that just happened to be there when you were walking through. It's, it's great. Yeah. And I got up into the tree and, and the sun started coming up over the hill behind me. And I just caught legs way at the top uh, of the other field or the, the main field that I was in. It's probably, she was probably 250 yards from me. I, I'm pretty sure it was a doe. And I just, just caught movement, you know, just legs going through the tops of these trees. And I'm, I'm kind of watching and I tried to find her in my, my binoculars. I couldn't find her. And I thought, well, maybe she, she just left. And, uh, this farmer, he's got the lifetime fencing all around his, his fields and his areas where his cows can be, you know, they're not in there, you know, year round. So when they're not in there during rut, it's, it's golden. And, uh, I heard, um, just this ting that this fence makes when, you know, something falls on it or a deer crosses it. Like a lot of times if I'm watching a doe across the field and she crosses into the creek or into the field, um, you know, a lot of times they'll, they'll nick the fence or they'll kick it or something and it'll make a real long, like ting sound or whatever. And I heard that sound, but I didn't see any deer. I thought, okay, well, maybe a, a stick or a walnut or something fell on it, or maybe a doe crossed it way up on the hill behind me where they like to come out at. And I, I just kind of forgot about it. And, uh, I could feel there's a little bit of a draft that morning blowing down the creek like it normally does, which isn't perfect. But I was in there. I thought, you know what, I, I, I sprayed down. I used a little bit of, of buck scent just to try and mask whatever scent I had left. And uh, I, I stood up just to kind of get my blood flowing again. I was freezing. I didn't dress nearly warm enough that morning. And this is probably, oh, shoot, probably 8 o'clock in the morning. I'm leaned up against my tree. And I'm looking way back up the field where the doe was at. And I just happened to glance back across my left shoulder. And there he is at 45 yards standing there looking at, <laughs> looking at a ground blind that I had put up the day before. I was kind of getting it uh, acclimated for gun season. Because normally I just give that spot to dad during gun season. It's, easy, it's easier for him to get in and out. And, yeah. And uh, he doesn't like the hills quite as well as I can. And uh, so he's he's standing there at, at 45 yards eyeballing this blind and i thought for sure he was going to leave i thought you know there's no way a big mature buck's going to walk into an area first time and see a ground blind and be content with it and he kind of he kind of started skirting out into the middle of the field like he wasn't real sure about it but he wasn't panicked and this time i remembered you know he's blind in that right eye i'm going to use that to my advantage because he's i'm now to his right so whenever I can't see his left eye, it was, <laughs> I probably shouldn't have taken as much advantage of it as I, as I did. But like, I just, I made real quick, sudden movements just to hurry up and get my bow. Cause I knew there wasn't any deer around me and he couldn't see me from his left eye. So I, I hurried up and grabbed my bow and, and clipped my release on. And he's coming down through uh, the last little bit of, of walnut trees that are in this field, getting ready to break out into the, the open little area of field that I'm in. And, uh, you know, I can, I can see the trails that he's on the, the trails that they have, these deer have through the field and, uh, into the ironweed. And, uh, he's 
for whatever reason, big bucks are real good about this. He put one limb on that walnut tree right over top of his vitals. And he walked that limb all the way out to the very end and would not give me a shot. I had him, I had him dead to rights at 25 yards for I don't know how many minutes. And, uh, I, I have my bow up in the, in the ready position. I'm ready to draw and he's still kind of keyed in on that blind and he's looking around and just proceeding with caution, I guess I should say. And I had a, a scrape tree put up in the middle of this field with a scrape dripper and I had a camera on it at about 35 yards. And obviously my corn piles in there closer to 20 or 25 yards. And I could see where he was at in the Y in this trail that he was on. And, uh, I knew I could, I potentially had a shot at him before he reached the last tree. There was one, there was one tree right in front of my stand or actually just to the left of my stand where he was at that, uh, I, I had already delimbed. And, uh, as soon as he got to the end of the limb that he was on, he had two options. He could either, right. He had three, he could turn 180 degrees and leave. He could walk towards uh, the scrape tree or he could turn and come in and give me a broadside 20 yard shot. And I, I come to full draw and I watched him. He got in behind the last tree in front of me and he turned towards me and actually came right in 20 yards, broadside, stopped, settled the pin, nailed him, let him have it. Nice. He, he peeled out of there like, like he had been shot at with a gun and ran straight. I mean, dead on a line straight down the middle of this field he he almost didn't act hit i thought i missed him initially because i wasn't entirely sure where i hit him i think just the the adrenaline rush and the panic i just didn't see where the arrow hit him and i thought oh crap you know did i miss this deer and he ran i don't know probably 80 or 90 yards hooked a hard left in the middle of the field ran over to the edge of the fence and just stopped and stood there and like they do he he stood there and looked at that fence and he got all wobbly and that was where he, he decided to call it quits. He tipped over right there next to the fence and oh, died wow. in the field. I, I watched it. I watched him die. It was, it was, it was almost, I don't even know what to call it. It was almost surreal. Like it wasn't really happening. Like I'd followed this deer now for four years yeah. from the time when I thought he was uh, a two and a half year old buck to what I thought was five and a half. And he, he finally just said, all right, you know what? I'm going to make it easy on you. He come right in. 25 yards and said all right i'm done playing the game you win and he gave it up <laughs> and when he when he came in you were pretty sure that this was superman right oh absolutely yeah as, no soon, as, I, as soon as i turned and i saw that that full wraparound eight point frame i was like that's him big short stubby body but he was like he was bulky you know he didn't have the longest body in the woods but he was really really stout looking you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it was a hundred percent that's him I know like it was, it was unmistakable. Nice. And it was, it was just crazy how he just, he was completely fine with that blind being there. He walked right in. He was, I think he was probably 50 yards, 55 yards in that blind when I shot him. Like I almost could have just sat in the blind that morning. But <laughs> it was, it was set up for gun season and, and not bow. So I, I decided to sit in my tree. Plus I like to hunt out of a stand anyway. Yeah. Same. Man, that's an incredible, like, that's, that's not a story. That's a saga. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the only thing I wish was different. I, I'm, I'm a diehard shed hunter. I absolutely love to go out in, in the late winter and early spring and pick up sheds. And I shed hunted hard for this deer and I could not find any of his sheds. So mm. that's, that's the only thing I would change if I could change anything about that, that saga 
is is to at least find his sheds from the year I shot him initially or, or from the, the following year when he was a big 10-pointer. So whenever you cut into that deer uh, and opened him up, were you able to see all the scar tissue and all that stuff from uh, like his previous two encounters? There, we, we did look, I couldn't find a whole lot of scarring, but I did find, uh, I, I don't, I don't remember if it was a broken rib or there was something that wasn't right, right in the middle of his rib cage. Mm. Um, I can't remember on what side, but you could tell there was something wrong with one side of his rib cage. Like he had been shot. Yeah. Um, they the, are incredibly still, tough. Yeah. The initial area where I had shot him, the entry hole that I had shot him in 2019, I couldn't find it. Of course it was, you know, right at the base of the neck, but, uh, but yeah, the, the opposite side rib cage did have, uh, like a, like a broken and rehealed rib or some sort of scarring on it. It was, it, it was pretty cool how it all went down. Yeah. Oh man. That that's a, that's a tough story to top. Just the, the experience of the year in and year out trying to get that buck and, uh, you know, pretty awesome. That's, that's, that's pretty sweet. So I guess going into 2022, <laughs> is there any buck on your radar this year or are you just kind of starting fresh? Absolutely. I, I have a, what I call a, a buck I call phantom and I actually picked him up uh, shortly after Turkey season uh, last year. And I, I, I had good, really undeveloped uh, velvet pictures of him. I knew he was going to be something this is actually in the same area where I killed my drop time buck and Superman and where dad killed a big nine pointer, uh, in 2019. So this is, like I said, this is the honey hole spot. This is my go-to spot. But, uh, yeah, I had, I had this buck down there in, in Turkey season and on my, my annual mineral site that I always run down there every year, I had him there. I had a couple decent pictures of him in like June and, uh, then he just disappeared. And I knew this buck was going to be something, pretty solid he's not not a giant by any means he looked like a three-year-old in the pictures but he just he caught my eye and uh then he, he just up and disappeared of course i figured out where he was living that the alfalfa field that i mentioned earlier that was a couple hundred yards down uh, past the property that i'm on he was coming to that every evening and it's right next to the road i mean the neighbors are all are, are all watching him in the evening and, and he's not coming up to my mineral site because there's no other food for him up there it's just an old cow pasture and some brush and, and minerals. And he's got a fresh, you know, lush green alfalfa field 300 yards away. And he's got better bedding in between him and I um, than I do on my side. But what really helps me is, is the fact that that alfalfa starts to die off pretty quick. Once we yeah. start getting in the season and they start coming up farther our way. So he, uh, I actually watched him, I watched him last July. I actually stopped and talked to one of the neighbors down there and said, Hey, you know, I, I hunt way up the Creek. You mind if I just sit in your driveway and watch deer for the evening? And he's like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. And I had my, my daughter. So we, we kind of hung out at the, at the truck and watched deer that evening and uh, the does come out. And then pretty soon, you know, a whole, a whole herd of bucks come out. I think it was six bucks. And this, this buck that I call phantom, he was one of them. He come out. I, I got to, I got to get a good look at him. And uh, as the season started last year i was getting him on camera and, and i, I kind of hunted for him kind of off and on um early october and then i was uh i realized the more pictures i got i mean the the bigger mistake i was making if to me you know myself anyway if i hunted this deer and i killed him as a big three-year-old i thought you know man this is really going against 
what I try and do. I try and shoot everything four years old or older, just my own personal preference, you know, to each his own. If, if a spike walks by and, and you're absolutely coming unglued in the tree and you have to shoot that spike, then absolutely kill that deer. You know, it's, it's not about age or rack size at the end of the day for me, but, or for me it is, but not, not in the, the big, the bigger picture. Um, but I, I got, I got a bunch of good pictures of this deer pretty much all year last year. And dad actually hunted him once. We saw him once. And, uh, it's kind of funny how it happened. I took dad down, hunted out of the blind and, uh, had deer on us all morning. And, uh, they kind of dispersed after the sun started to come up and it was getting daylight. And, um, I knew I was good, but I told dad, I was like, man, I got to pee. I don't, I don't have a bottle or anything with me. So I'm like, I'm going to hop out the back of the blind real quick and pee. So I, I stood up, crawled out the back of the blind about halfway out the door. I looked up on the hill behind us and I said, dad, don't move big buck. It's, it's, it's him. He's standing there looking at us at 50 yards. <laughs> and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. The one deer yeah. dad wanted in this spot. And I just walked, you know, I just walked out of the blind and he's standing there watching me. Uh, that's was, so typical, man. Yep. It, it was kind of funny the way it happened. He stood there and watched me for a couple of minutes. He put his tail up, trotted back up on like an old logging road. And he gave me just enough time to step out of the blind and hold the door open for dad. Dad stuck his bow out the back, but you know, obviously he's up in the woods and he's, he's covered by the, the tops of the lower trees. And he stood on that road and never even gave us a second look. Like he just, he turned and just calmly nonchalantly walked away. Like he would have been if we were never there. Like he just, he stopped and looked around, he sniffed around and he just walked on like nothing ever happened. Oh, that's crazy. And, uh, uh, that was, that was the last time we laid eyes on him, but uh, well, he, hopefully he you get a chance out of this year. Yeah. I picked up both of his sheds this year and actually he's, he's weird this year. He's got like a, he's got a messed up left beam got uh kind of rolls back you know it doesn't come out and around like a normal beam it kind of rolls back and it's got like uh two or three points coming off of one one beam end and it looks like a small drop tine coming off of it and his right side is just a what's looking like a big four side maybe a five side and he's got pretty solid brows and a a split two on his good side so he's going to be something interesting to look at when he's done well, I can't can't wait to hear that story how it unfolds. So you'll have to hit me back up next year, and we'll we'll hear how the rest. Well, actually, hit me up in like September, end of September, because you're you're like a first day kind of guy. It seems like so. Uh, I, I hope so. <laughs> I hope that's how it goes. Uh, that's awesome, Cody. Man, I've enjoyed the stories. Like really good stuff, and I mean that's uh, pretty neat how you're able to finally get old Superman down, and uh, pretty exciting. So I appreciate you carving out some time during vacation and sharing your stories with us. That was that was great it's not a problem man i i enjoy talking about deer and i i love sharing my stories awesome man well good luck to you this coming season i hope to stay in touch and hear from you soon all right yep thank you all right that's it for today we want to thank cody for coming on some really awesome stories that story about superman i just can't believe that that buck survived what he did and uh cody was finally able to get him and just just pretty awesome story there along with the other ones that he told really enjoyed enjoyed that guys if you enjoyed the podcast uh, please leave a rating review and all that stuff like i talked about before thank you so much for coming back for another episode hope that you'll come back for another one and until then remember to shed the light